0: Hey, time for Fan Mail Friday, where I'll be answering your questions and dropping some knowledge and feedback to help you kick the weekend off, right? If you're new to the Art of Charm podcast, most of our content is more in-depth and longer format, so don't start here. Check out the best of at theartofcharm.com slash best or the fundamentals toolbox at theartofcharm.com slash toolbox. That's where we've got fundamentals like body language and nonverbal communication, attraction, negotiation, networking, and everything else we teach here at the Art of Charm. All right, let's cut to it. This comes from Sean. He says, I've been dating the same girl for a year and a half. I've got a long history of depression, anxiety, and I have three learning disorders. I'm fine, by the way. I'm smart and learning disorders go unnoticed. From September 2014 until two months ago, I was incredibly approval-seeking, controlling, manipulative, and smothering. My girlfriend became my therapist and I did every damn thing to push her away. I've never been more aware of that than I am now and you have helped very much in the past couple months. About two months ago, I caught her in bed with another man. We continue to try to work it out from there. She said, I pushed her out of loving her. She had a good friend die before that, and she felt she couldn't come to me and hadn't been happy with me for months leading up to that. Okay, that's a huge batch of red flags right there. But anyway, he says, he continues, but it seemed that leading up to that and that finally happening in the aftermath, we were in way over our heads. She finally took the initiative to take a break without actually separating officially, whatever that means, and agreeing to be exclusive. Rather, she pushed the move and got that ball rolling so she could get her life and head and social bearings back as well as focus on her schooling and for me to get my stuff back together and get back to the guy I was when she met me. Okay, let me pause right here. This is what she's telling you. She's trying to break up with you, most likely. There's no, this pause or whatever is in your head. She's, seems like she's done. Anyway, he continues, so we stay in touch and I've been doing everything to stay positive and work on myself. When we text, I banter and... A few days ago, she outright said I'm back to the awesome guy I was a year and a half ago when she met me. This is the guy that she fell in love with. Well, that's great, but stay tuned. But since then, I've not heard from her since then, and I reached out a couple times. I want to wait a day or so and then check back in so that I can seduce her all over again and reconnect. Wow. Pause number three or whatever I'm on. This is her telling you, trying to let you down easy, the fact is, she can tell you whatever she wants. She, You haven't heard from her in three days. She's not interested in having you try to do this and reconnect. He continues, I work out almost every day. I listen to the podcast religiously and take notes. I become very active with sports, nights out with my friends, and I've been giving her space for real, not doing needy attention, approval-seeking stuff. Well, no, I beg to differ, but I'll get to that in a second. I'm trying my hardest, and I've been proactive with everything I can in the last two months. I was wondering if you could give me some solid advice, other than things I'm already doing, to increase my chances of her and I solving this problem and coming together like we once were. Hey, dude, I gotta be really blunt. You have lost this one. Stop chasing her. Let her go. You need to do a ton of work on yourself, and you're not gonna repair this relationship, nor should you actually even try. You, you've you got a lot of self-esteem issues from the issues I wager from the issues that you mentioned in the beginning of your email that otherwise would be irrelevant to this, the depression, the anxiety, the learning disorders, and stuff like that. You you think that you're probably not worth it. This is the only girl that's ever going to love you this way and all the things that you've written in this email, things that aren't true. So you have a scarcity mindset when it comes to this. This is what's causing you to chase her, and this is why she's being super delicate with you and trying to let you down easy, quote-unquote. I don't think she means, oh, we'll get back together at some point. Things will be okay. I think she's trying to avoid a meltdown because her actions, not her words, her actions of her not responding to you and not saying anything and not answering your texts or your emails says a lot more than what she told you one time that that one day when you thought you were doing everything right. So step back, let her go, work on yourself for years. Not a couple weeks, not a couple more months, and don't rationalize, well, you know, I started listening to you guys eight months ago, and so that was, you know, that counts. No, that's it. You're still being very supplicative. You're still being very approval-seeking. You're just covering it up with fake confidence right now because of the techniques that you've learned from the show and things like that, and it's working for now, but eventually she's going to spot the cracks that are still there, and she might even cheat on you again because That's the type of relationship that you have. So again, apologies for the bluntness, but sugarcoating things is obviously not going to help you here. And that's what she's doing and you're believing it. So I'm not going to do that same thing. So sorry, that's not the answer you wanted, but you need to step back. You're just setting yourself up for more heartache. Step back, work on yourself. Doesn't mean you can't have a relationship for the next two years. It just means you need to be working on yourself and forget about her for a while. This one comes from George. He says, On a recent fan mail Friday, you read a letter from a fan who just couldn't understand how some people could be content with the 9-to-5 gig and it sounded like he was hating on it a bit. I agree with your response and I felt compelled to write in because I once asked myself the same question and I thought the working Joe was crazy. I no longer hold this view for a few reasons. I now realize that other people have their own wants, hopes, and desires which may be different from mine. For many people, a 9-to-5 doesn't prevent them from achieving their desires and in many cases helps. More relevant to the fan who wrote in, If you look back through history, in most every society, the common person was often viewed as expendable by the ruling class. Ideas we consider basic and fundamental today, such as individualism, class mobility, self-determination, and all people being equal, are actually very new ideas as far as human history is concerned. And in fact, for many parts of the world, these ideas are still not realities. Even public education is new on the civilization timeline. 1917, Mississippi was the last state to make school compulsory in the U.S. Contrast that to the modern, hardworking person who's able to choose their career, make their own lifestyle, go on vacations to amazing places, raise a family, and if they so desire, advance their career or even start their own business. Taken in that context, the idea of working 40 hours a week from 9 to 5 doesn't sound too bad. I know the 9 to 5 life isn't for everyone, myself included, and probably isn't for your fan who wrote in. However, it's certainly not a bad gig, and in my opinion, not one to hate on. Well, George, I definitely agree with you. I couldn't have said it better myself, and frankly, I think that there is, and I I won't reiterate the whole thing, but there is a trend in this entrepreneurship game that is unjustified. And the marketing used to sell entrepreneurship products usually hates on the nine to five and preys on people's weaknesses who are not content with their job. And I don't think that's ethical, frankly. Jason, you're up on this one. Benny's calling you out. Benny from Israel says, Hey, Jordan, I just listened to the latest fan mail Friday episode. I had to drop you a line. First of all, I have to say it's been less than three months in the short time. The show has inspired me to make many big changes in my life. I take this in the spirit in which it is intended, but I think you and especially Jason judge Sandra, the girl whose boyfriend wouldn't fight for her, on the last Fan Mail Friday episode a bit harshly and somewhat unfairly. I'll say it straight out. I totally agree with your conclusion on the outcome, which is to say the boyfriend was absolutely right for walking away. Nothing good could have come from sticking around. Bar fights only look like a lot of fun in Burt Reynolds' 80s movies. Good call. Good Good reference. That said... I think this girl spoke out of a state of mind which should not be discarded as juvenile or childish. It's true that in this day and age, women expect a man to be sensitive and connected to his feminine side. However, I do believe the caveman biology is still strong. I think some women still have that desire for, or at least an attraction to, a strong alpha male with a Neanderthal mindset. Sandra at least was honest enough to express it in so many words. This girl was simply disappointed that her boyfriend did not conform to a specific masculine stereotype which she grew up on. This stereotype may be wrong, it might be outdated, but it is yet real and very much in existence. And discarding Sandra's disappointment as ridiculous oversimplifies something which goes much deeper. On a broader scale, one of the most prominent underlying premises of the AOC podcast is trying to identify harmful beliefs some well-hidden which are holding you back, and in turn, learning how to deconstruct them and replace them with a new set of powerful convictions. What's the difference between Sandra and an average schmo like me looking for a new perspective on a difficult situation? She acknowledged the possibility that she was perhaps judging her boyfriend too harshly. Did she really deserve to hear that her boyfriend might perhaps be better off leaving her? That's not to say guys should move into bully mode and walk around like gorillas, but in my humble opinion, if it's worth anything, perhaps Sandra deserves a little more slack. And then he gives us some props which I will spare all of you. But Jason, you know what? I got to say, this is one of the greatest emails I've received lately, and I, I think definitely he makes great points. I totally agree that this is biology in action. I think we probably should have mentioned that it is biology in action, and a lot of women do have a preference for men with that mindset. But I will say that we were still correct in that, listen, if that's the mindset that you prefer, you need to be with a different type of guy who can show and demonstrate that quote-unquote alpha male type of conflict mindset if that's what really turns you on. And you might need to find somebody who does it in a way that's maybe more business competitive rather than somebody who's going to endanger your safety. But I, I do think that this relationship between Sandra and her boyfriend should likely end. If this is a problem, but you're right. I think we were very remiss. We didn't give her any props for actually being vulnerable enough to ask us. And that's something that Benny brings up a valid point. But on the other hand, Jason, I I know you have personal experience with girlfriends that are forcing you to do dangerous things.
1: I have like a knee jerk reaction to it. So I've, I've dated girls who have put me in that position and I have acted on that position before. And I was, you know, I was young. That's why I just jumped at the juvenile thing, because for me, it was a long time ago. But I have had women put me in this position where I have thoroughly gotten my butt kicked because she's just trying to, you know, get you to respond and she doesn't pay attention that he's just at the bar getting beers for his 20 football friends over in the corner who will summarily come over and take you out back.
0: Interesting. Yeah. So you're coming at it with personal anecdotal experience of being on the wrong end of this, but... I think, and what Benny is saying, which is totally valid, is her preferences are still her preferences because of biology, it doesn't make her some kind of moron.
1: No, yeah, it doesn't, and I went back and listened to the episode, and I I agree. I think we were a bit harsh on her, and I think we were a bit knee-jerk with it.
0: Poor Sandra, we don't hate you. In fact, I give you props for being vulnerable enough to ask. I should take some of my own advice. However, stop asking your boyfriends to fight for you. If you need somebody who's going to be harshly competitive, find some guy who's like a Wall Street guy. You'll find that streak in them, but they won't get you arrested. But they will get you a house in Nantucket. David in the UK by the way wanted to give you a little props Jason he says I was pretty skeptical before the show with Chris Edwards a transgender guy but he grew on me as the show went on and his story proved that there was genuinely a male inside rather than someone doing it for other reasons and so he had a real credibility and I must say by the end of the show I was much more educated on the subject I would normally have shied away from so it was a brave show for you guys That's you and me, Jason. But I think I'm a better man because I listened to it. So thanks for taking the chance. You're welcome, David in the UK. This was a a, a kind of a tough decision because the thing is, there's a lot of people that listened that were like, I can't believe you wrote this, and you know, this is stupid. And we got a lot of mail from people that thought we were harsh on those people when we we answered them. And uh, but, yeah, I I totally get what this what David means, because I got to say a few years ago, I also maybe a decade ago before I went to law school with people who were transgender. I thought, oh, yeah, people do this crap for attention and, you know, they're they act this way because they got daddy issues or whatever. And I didn't really think like, well, wait a minute, this is totally there's biological reasons behind some of this stuff. And it totally makes sense now, but it doesn't make sense if you don't have exposure to it. And so I think that's the reason we finally ended up doing the show is because once you have exposure to it, you just kind of realize it's not some weird freakish thing. It's just new. And that there's probably been people like this throughout history. They just never felt safe enough talking about it. Michael says, I want to come to the Art of Charm, but I feel badly that I might need this stuff. I feel guilty about coming to AOC like I'm not supposed to need it. I also really feel like I don't want to need it. And it also makes me feel like I have to be a different person. I'm afraid of putting on a social mask and I don't want to have to change who I am to get more out of life. Well, Art of Charm doesn't make you apply the mask. We actually remove the social mask. What we have is called the subtractive process. We don't give you gimmicks and things that you have to do or add to your personality, we get rid of insecurities during boot camp so that you become more authentic. And authenticity is what's actually attractive, not the goofy light-up necklace that you get from Hot Topic or whatever. It sounds like this is more of an ego issue. If you needed a math tutor, there would be no problem. If you needed a math tutor for something crazy advanced like non-Euclidean geometry, people would actually be impressed. If you need a social tutor or you think and you think that it's remedial, then, yeah, it hurts her ego. And in this, in, in your mind, this is putting you back on the elementary school totem pole where you weren't where you wanted to be socially. And signing up for something like AOC sort of hammers that down a little bit tighter. But this isn't remedial. People who come to the Art of Charm want to become 90 or 95th percentile and above. So it's funny because the people that usually write in about these kind of things are the people who need this the most. They tend to be the people who aren't really getting what they want out of life, they don't even see their potential. The people that sign up for Art of Charm at the drop of a hat are usually people like high performers, Green Berets, Special Forces guys, uh, coders that work for Google, Facebook, and Apple that see a training opportunity to get better, an elite level at something, and they jump at the chance. So I always always find that sort of a unique sort of uh, quandary where people who really, really need this, they can't see the value or they don't want to or their egos in the way, whereas people who you'd think would be on top of it, we had SEAL Team 6 come in here, Uh, not all of them because there's like a ton, but we had a bunch of those guys come in here and they had no problem with any of this. So it's always a funny sort of paradox. So hopefully we'll see you in here, man. We'll wrap with this networking question that Michael has. He says, love the show, love the latest toolbox with Johnny and AJ. They need to be on the show more. I agree. I will forward this to them and make them listen. My question that I think would be beneficial is with regards to networking and email marketing. As a wellness entrepreneur, yoga teacher, coach, health coach, nutritional sales, I attend a lot of business and social networking events. I met a couple of really cool people at these events, and I've started to play a game of who can collect the most financial planners and bankers' business cards, and the winner gets the pot. It's a fun way for us to get out of our comfort zone and force us to meet new people. Great idea. It's a $5 buy-in, and usually someone wins 20 or 30 bucks. Financial planners are the worst offenders because they show up at these events in droves, followed by attorneys. I see. So he's playing a game of who can get business cards of the guys that pitch themselves the worst, which are always financial planners and attorneys. Clever. My question at these networking events is related to after network marketing. After many events, I take the cards I've collected over the next day or two. I make calls and give them a pitch regarding my business and ask them if they're interested in anything I can offer. That's a huge mistake. I'll get into that in a second. I also ask each person if there's a contact I can help them connect within my group, skill I got from AOC. Normally, everyone's busy and I understand, but I follow up asking permission to add them to my email list and I send them a newsletter on health and wellness. That's also a huge mistake. However, usually through these events, as I'm giving out my cards to people, I end up on 10 email lists from people who've added me to their company's constant contact and now I'm on their marketing campaign. I find this to be annoying. If they called to talk to me about their business and asked, I most likely would say, yes, now I've got a bunch of spam. Am I missing something and am I wasting my time reaching out to these people or do I not warrant a sales call? I find it to be shady to do the latter. Any advice would be appreciated. Well, here's what I'm hearing. Michael, you're you're making a ton of mistakes with your networking. You're going to bad events. Networking events are terrible places to network. And we talk about this in the Social Capital product that we released at AOC. But any non-curated event is an awful place generally to network. I realize you're just starting off, so you might not have a choice, but... These are a tremendous waste of time. So you're adding these people to your mailing list, but then you're getting angry that they're adding you to theirs. I understand that you're calling them and asking them for permission, but it's still annoying. You're just dumping people into a sales funnel. You're not really trying to help them. You're trying to help them so that they will buy something from you, and that's called transactional networking. That's not how we do things Um, I would love to dive more into this. We're going to be doing some podcasts more about networking, but if you go to the site, if you go to theartofcharm.com and you search for networking, you'll find a ton of useful stuff here, and also our product, Social Capital, at theartofcharm.com slash social capital. We've got a whole course that's just about this that is really, really detailed, but I'll tell you this. You're, get it, you're networking with people who are terrible networkers that are not in your niche, who you're trying to meet that are not your target demographic, and then you're getting the results of that, which is tons of spam, people who aren't a good fit for your business, and contacts that don't even bother to follow up because everyone is only looking for what they can get out of the situation. So that's why you're not having good results. And I would say the first action step is to... Only go to events with other health and wellness people and try to build things from there and stop trying to sell to your network. Lennon and
2: McCartney, Jagger and Richards, Watson and Crick, AJ and Johnny. What about the perfect duo when it comes to growing your business? Well, that's you and Shopify.
1: That's right, Johnny. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling your own Fire merch or promoting your productivity programs, Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered.
2: Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout.
1: and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklyn, as well as millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries.
2: Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify.
1: Go to shopify.com slash charm now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash charm.
2: Over the last 17 years, we have launched our fair share of online courses, coaching
1: programs, and finding the right platform has always been a challenge. They say if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. But if you're an entrepreneur, you know the hard work that comes with it. That's why you need Kajabi.
0: I hope you all enjoyed that. Don't forget, you can reach me, Jordan, at theartofcharm.com. I read everything. I'd love to hear from you. More from The Art of Charm at theartofcharm.com. Have a great weekend. Get out there and connect and leave everyone better than you found them. Thanks for listening to The Art of Charm. Get more confidence, relationship skills, life hacks, and everything for the extraordinary man at theartofcharmpodcast.com.